Come all you thoughtless young men, a warning take by me, and think on my unhappy fate to be hanged on a tray. My name is William Corder, to you I do declare, I courted Mariah Martin, most beautiful and fair. I promised I would marry her upon a certain day. Instead of that, I was resolved to take her life away. I went into her father's house on the 18th day of May, saying, My dear Mariah, we will fix the wedding day. If you will meet me at the Red Barn, as sure as I have life, I will take you to Ipswich Town and there make you my wife. I then went home and fetched my gun, my pickaxe and my spade. I went into the Red Barn and there I dug a grave. Hold on to your butts, or at least the skin from said butts. It's the Red Barn Murder, this week on Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This is hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation of the podcast that doesn't always cover British murder stories. But when we do... Your ass better believe we'll be doing lots of dumb accents. <laughs> fuck yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <it's raw. laughs> the darkness creeps closer every day. Yeah, no, no, fuck that. Moving on. Uh, broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. We're your hosts and lead mole sputters. <laughs> Hopefully that will make some semblance of sense to listeners, but I am not holding my breath for you two chotes. If you're new to the show, don't feel bad. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but that bot with a lack of faith in us is Conspiracy Bot, a robot Brent built to help with the show. Instead, he mostly drinks and takes pop shots at us. Yeah, and the other one talking, well, death and nonsense this week is Kyle. <laughs> you see c make Kyle, and you see the outcome. I guess much like a toddler, sometimes he says shit that's so frightening we do our best just to pretend it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you ever seen Multiplicity? Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what this is. Yeah, right? It's, it's like wrangling cats in here. Maybe uh, barn cats? Boom! Oh. Segway! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking the Red Barn murder this week. David, I have no respect for you and I hope you die slowly, but I do feel bad you have to deal with him now. <laughs> well. I, I guess same? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I'm... I'm Happy to die slowly, I guess. Uh, so what is the Red Barn murderer you people scream into your listening devices? Well, uh, David, I'm so happy that you brought this one up because it is bagging on all cylinders. Uh, we've got <laughs> bastard children. Check. Cross-dressing. Check. A murder. Check. Ties to Spring-Heeled Jack. <laughs> Check. Mole spuds. What? Yeah. Public executions. Oh, check. Uh, most buds again because I like saying it. <laughs> That's the what? third time so far. Ow. And get this shit. 
a fucking book bound in the skin of the executed outlining the tale of said execution. Uh, uncheck? This story is fucking banging. <laughs> oh, and it takes place in not so merry old England, at least not so merry if your name is a Mariah a Martin. Boom, roasted that dead bitch. Jesus. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, and it's all solved, they say, by vivid psychic dreams that the ghost herself solved. What do you think is a worse world to be in? The horrific dreams that you have in your sleep or the dissatisfied reality that awaits you when you awake. All right, seriously, what the fuck, dude? I don't live in darkness. Darkness lives in me. I got him a horror a day calendar. I am helping him develop his hatred of man and his understanding of the horrors of the world. I like the pictures. And who doesn't love gifts? So I'm trying to make the best of it. <sighs> David, I told you. <laughs> now you see why John left. <laughs> And he keeps not answering when it's his weekends for visitation rights. It's the damnedest oh, thing. Boy. Uh, speaking wow. of visitation rights, we're going to be talking about that this week, too. This is a doozy of a story. You, <laughs> you've you covered this previously. Um, I asked you for a few of your favorite topics, and this was one of the first. Why the love, dare I say, for this crazy-ass story? I You just laid it out. Look at all that stuff that's uh, intertwined in here. Moles, there's, butters. There's, uh, yeah, mole sputters number one on the list, obvi. <laughs> but um, there's uh, there's ties to to different things we talk about. There's ghosts. There's mole spuds, um, and it, it's just one of those wild stories where you um, you you hear not very not very often where a ghost solves its own murder. <laughs> there's a famous one, you know, and uh, well, well, we'll get to it. There's a famous one in America, but. Um, this one's probably one of the more famous ones in uh, England. I, I would well, say. not only that, like, and we'll talk about this too, but it's been in books and plays and songs, and not even that long ago, they're still making songs about it. And amazing and shitty podcasts. You can put <laughs> us into whichever category of that you want to talk about. It's just a gift that keeps on giving. Real yeah. quick, going back to mole sputters because I just can't get over it. <laughs> Every everyone needs like the name of their fans. Like, oh, thanks for tuning in, <laughs> blah blah. Thanks for tuning in, mole sputters. <laughs> yeah, welcome, spuds. Welcome, welcome, you mole spuds. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set the story straight just to get the uh, a, a quick run through before we break it down. The Red Barn Murder is a tale of the oh so sad fate of Mariah Martin in the year of our Lord eighteen twenty seven. She was just 25 years old and the daughter of a badass mole catcher in the village of Polstead, England. Now you're seeing where that mole sputter comes into, into play. For some reason, Polstead sounds like the opposite of mole spud. Right. <laughs> He's from jolly old uh, spole mud, England. <laughs> He's a mole uh, sputter. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sputter from way back. Uh, I hate to be a bear of bad news, but we're not here to just talk the finer points of mole catching. Oh, no. I'm out. I'm out. We're here to talk about what, David? Murder. <laughs> Nicely done to you and Seabot on that one. Um, <laughs> back to Murther. Uh, the man responsible for said death, 24-year-old William Corder. And he is what we like to call in the business a complete fuckstick, we're going to learn. Yep. And we're talking murder, but the details don't point to any old case of a stab and slab. Oh, no. This story has all the shit to make it perfect to stand the test of time. And that's really why, is it's so crazy. 
um, all these weird facts outside of just the ghost. People from different classes, children out of wedlock, cross-dressing, and the ghost of Mariah solving her own case. By God. By the way of her stepmother's dreams. By God, it's her stepmother and a dream with an RKO. <laughs> I watch a lot of stories about stepmothers, but they're very different than this story that we're telling <laughs> this week. Um, very, very different tone to them. I won't follow up on that. <laughs> it reads like a penny dreadful, this whole story. Yeah. And uh, it was in a lot of them for sure. So I don't know. Now, you know, the, the little deets we've given to them. Let's go to break. When we come back, we break down the finer points of the Red Bird Murder on Hysteria 51. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor. And we use it. Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm -hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Someone, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, a today. My God, it's the undertaker. <laughs> it's a stepmother's dream out of nowhere. Literally coming to bury the dead. From parts unknown England. <laughs> and pulsed. Yeah. <laughs> 1800s England, yeah. Brent. Uh, uh, Dateline. <laughs> Dateline. 1800s England, the village of Polstead, to be exact. Around 900 residents in 1827. You know, so that was pretty decent size. Yeah, actually, that's time. I come from a town of 700 people now. So, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's, and, and Berwyn's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Berwyn, I'll Pol have you know, is like 58,000 people. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I looked that up the other day for some reason. I had no idea. If you had told me it was 12,000, I'd go, okay. And if you told me 160,000, I'd go, okay, because 
Chicago land is all urban sprawl, and you never know when you're in one town and then the next one. So yeah, it's a dirty yeah. orgy of of towns and people <laughs> of industry. Yes. <laughs> so Polstead, surrounded by hills and forests, smack dab in the county of Suffolk. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about 14 miles southwest from Ipswich, about 80 miles northeast of London. You know, for everybody's got their maps out, following along as you should. As be the doing. crow flies. Do, do you even know what that means? No, but it sounds cool, so shove off. <laughs> Guess I will. Yeah, uh, fair enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> the local peeps were said to be hardworking, clean, cheerful, um, and that's it's an agricultural area with a lot of farms and townsfolk working said farms if they didn't own one themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very bucolic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And speaking of farming, it was famous for its cherries, an annual cherry festival. I bet that was just a banger of a party every year. You know it. Uh, <laughs> my my town used to have the Blackberry Festival every oh, yeah? year. And, you know, blackberries grew, but it wasn't like, it didn't, it wasn't the, the heartbeat of the economy of Carlisle, you know? It was just a reason to have said uh, festival of some sort probably like, like yeah. outside not too far from me was the chatham sweet corn festival and yeah. the beardstown watermelon festival so we you know we got it coming and going <laughs> <laughs> so enter thomas martin mm. farming community or not thomas was having none of that what did he do david tell us what he did well he dealt in death <laughs> By way of mole catching. <laughs> Death to the mole people. <laughs> oh, I just, I, somehow you made uh, mole catching sound almost badass there for a second. What do you deal? What do you do for a living? I deal in death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's, he's like a, um, he's like a death dealer ranger, D and D class, except, uh, his, what is it? The, um, his species, species uh, oh, what do you, what do you call the term when they've got like a, um, it's like you do extra damage or get extra bonuses to your rolls for a certain species. Like, oh you, yeah, or I know what you, yeah, like trolls. he's like he's like dragonkin or something like that. You know, like one of the the uh, yeah, um, it's a uh, racial. I, I can't think of the term. racial. <laughs> Probably yeah, yeah. Uh, some some like that. It's uh, a, ra- a a proficiency bonus. In anyways, <laughs> this has gone on way too long because I couldn't think of it. And it is said that though he was not as well off as many in the village, he was quote Brent much respected by superiors for his moral conduct and simplicity of manners. He's a very simple guy, but he's upstanding kind of thing. That quote comes from the 1828 book by James Curtis. Uh, Much of the information you're going to hear tonight, actually not to interrupt you here, comes from Curtis's writings and David's fine research into this topic. I might add, he actually traveled. This is uh, not David, but uh, Mr. James Curtis traveled to Pulstead (laughs) from London to just completely go into uh, this story and chronicle the story, the trial, everything. And that's super important because it was rare to find such a detailed account of historical crime at the time that wasn't kind of just uh, third-hand information and especially made up. Now, slight jab at him, David. Mm. What did he title the book on the subject? An Authentic and Faithful History of the Mysterious Murder of Mariah Martin with a full development of all the extraordinary circumstances which led to the discovery of her body 
in the Red Barn. To which is added the trial of William Corder. <laughs> it rolls right off the fucking tongue, doesn't it? That is <laughs> that book needs another book just to get through the title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. So pour one out for Mister uh, pour one out for Mister Curtis and his his hard work. Uh, book title aside. Anyway, I kind of got in your way there. Uh, Thomas Martin, what were you saying about that cat? Well, Thomas Martin was married to one Grace Martin, and they were poor, which is odd for a mole catcher, I guess. <laughs> he was rich in, in the pussy that, that just brought him uh, because of the stories of his death dealing. So, but <laughs> rich in spirit He's, and in loin. <laughs> He's kind of like a witcher in that sense. Um, to toss he, a uh, coin to your most catcher. He needs to sharpen his sputter. <laughs> right. Yeah. He needs to apply some, uh, some oils to it <laughs> to help, uh, Oh God, we're getting real nerdy with this one. Didn't expect it. <laughs> I love it. They were happy, you know, and so happy that they had several kids. Mm-hmm. That makes you pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the one that's at the center of our story, Mariah, she was born in 1801. Uh, if you did the math earlier, there you go. This should check out. Yeah. <laughs> to help out, Mariah was taken into the family of the clergyman of Lamb as a nursery assistant when she was old enough to help. And she stayed there until she was nine when her mother Grace passed away. And so she goes home to help raise the siblings. Thomas remarries pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And enter stepmother Anne. Anne's interesting because Anne was only like six years older than one of the children. Yep. Yeah, she was a she was a young bride for the father, uh, who'd already gotten busy some herself. You know, usually when this happens in a story, you're like, ah, stepmother, boo, yeah. hiss. Uh, she had a couple children from a previous marriage. Eventually, her and old Tommy boy had three more of their mm-hmm. own. Yeah, when you got nothing to do, you just bang. Especially in 1820s, uh, not just 1820s England. That's 1820s anywhere. Yeah, are we going to make any more candles tonight? Nah, let's just get to fornicating. <laughs> That's right. When, uh, boy, never mind. Um, <laughs> something to, don't worry, it's something to do with mole spuds. Um, so, needless to say, Mariah had her hands full. Ah, uh, zing. And as Mariah grew up, she grew to be very attractive. I'm guessing this is 1800s attractive. Yeah, yeah. She had most of her teeth. <laughs> But she was so attractive that the gentleman callers were a plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when she caught the attention of the Corder brothers. The first, Thomas Corder, t- her dad's name was Thomas. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Was a young twenty-something uh, son of John and Mary Corder, who were farmers. Unlike Mariah, and unlike Mariah, they were wealthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hear about some of her callers, and you're going to hear the same story over and over and over again, because <laughs> this girl had either the worst luck or the worst taste or both, mm. Um, probably a little bit of all the above, and yeah. uh, just didn't learn from mistakes. And I'm not putting her death on her. I'm just saying, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into it a little bit. And she was only 17 when Thomas came a knocking, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's hear about him. And like a like a good douchebag, he was ashamed that she was not rich. 
I guess that was kind so. of the times, though, like um, not making uh, excuses for it, but uh, like that was when like you'd be like cast out of your family if they caught you canoodling with someone of a different, um, you know, class. class. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of the same today. Well, it's especially the same for wealthy people. Um, I I have firsthand um, experience of yeah. rich people talking about one of their children dating one of the poors. Were you caught canoodling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, he was said to have made, you know, honorable pretensions towards her. Dependent, of course, on it being all a complete secret that yeah. nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. Well, those honorable pretensions uh, came and boom, Mariah gets preggers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So guess what, though? Thomas uh, took off, stopped coming around completely after that. And uh, what they did was a secret in her word against his. So no harm, no foul. Right. Sure. Mariah gave birth, uh, but the baby sadly died not long after. Uh, Then she meets Peter Matthews and spoiler alert. Same fucking thing happens. (laughs) Now there's an asterisk to this one. But uh, keep a secret, bang until pregnant. Matthews didn't want to marry her, but at least this child had the decency to send her basic child support so the kid could be raised well because this kid actually did uh, survive past just uh, most. Uh, well, this one and a couple of the others died in infancy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lived. His name was Thomas Henry and was cared for by Mariah and her stepmother, Anne. Time to get another man. So you, you, you've had two. They've both gotten you pregnant. One of the babies lived. At least first one didn't want anything to do with you. Second one decided he'll give you some money. You're moving in the right direction. <laughs> Climbing that ladder. There are some others in here, but uh, we're going to get to the big one. Enter the second quarter brother, William, the younger brother of Thomas. Um, this is just bad form on her part. I, I feel you're yeah. like just allowing this, you know, fool me once, blah, 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 blah. She's going after these rich guys that want her because she's pretty and will have sex with them. And then <laughs> seems thrown off by the fact that then they're like deuces toodaloo. I'm sorry, toodle pip. <laughs> and I'm out of here. I mean, why? I don't know. Does that just blow you away that it just kept happening over and over again? Sort of, but it just seems like that is a mindset um, for probably many people at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You're and, right. And it was probably, it probably wasn't as, um, off putting as it sounds today. Right. Maybe right. Maybe it was, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like if, uh, if that happened back then once it happened quite a bit. Right. Well, anyway, so on to him born in 1803, William or bill as they call him was one of eight children for the quarters. Want to place any bets on if he was an asshat or not? Fucking amen to that. If you're, if you're, you're paying attention to her past, she had a type, <laughs> uh, get this. He was a known womanizer who had the name Foxy. Was that for good reason? <laughs> Tell us why David. Well, he stood every single bit of five feet, four inches tall, <laughs> had a slender build, was pale, freckled skin, and was very nearsighted. I am I am turgid just hearing you say that. <laughs> Jesus man. <laughs> Oof. He was also Foxy. known 
uh, as a gossip and sneaky and just not well liked by the town people or his father. And this is well documented by the people and in the books. His mom liked him, so there was that. Plus, he was a crook and defrauded people. And over and over again, daddy had to bail him out. So you're getting a good vibe off this guy, right? Is it just me or does he just it feel... sounds like someone I'd like to have a beer with. Can I give you some money, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple couple of instances. One time he sold his father's pigs to a guy. And his dad's like, why the fuck do you have my pigs? And he demands his pigs back. Uh, thinking they're stolen, of course. And he was told William had sold them on his behalf. So then his dad just goes, oh, that's my Billy. Uh, that's why I hate him. And he pays out of his own pocket to get his own pigs back. Stand up son right there. Mm-hmm. Just a just a well-rounded guy. So that happens. Dad needs to uh, in, enact some punishment. So what's he do to send him straight? He sends him to London. <laughs> why is that a bad idea for this guy? Son. I'm so angry at you not taking after the farming business. Off to the big city with you. (laughs) Where you can canoodle with other bad people and (laughs) hooahs. That's right. Get in a gang. Pick pockets. Be an urchin. I don't care. (laughs) So he goes there and he learns to be a a shithead from a whole bunch of people. (laughs) There's whole stories about the people that he's around there. I'm not going to get into the whole story. There's a whole, this guy's life is very well documented. It's, it's kind of interesting. He ends up even kind of trying to get straight. He, he tries to join a merchant ship, but his eyesight was so bad that he couldn't, they just wouldn't because he would have probably like died. So they send him <laughs> home. Yeah, go home. So he comes home and spoiler alert, he steals more pigs, gets caught and just fucking sucked as a human being kind of from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know about you, but if I were, if I were a woman and this guy walked up, you know, and knowing all the bad deeds he did and stuff, he's such a bad boy with those looks and everything more boy. Oh boy. Get me a towel for my nether region. Just destroy me, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) You have to get real close to him for him to tell (laughs) who you are. And by then it's too late. uh, I can see by feeling much easier. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, not to be outdone by just uh, some some pig theft and pickpocketing and stuff. It's murder time. What's what's going on in uh, 1826 and 1827 for old Billy? Well, his father, who hated him, always got him out of trouble. I hate you, but uh, you are from my loins. <laughs> and three of his brothers died Jesus. four deaths, which uh, left the governance of the farm to him. Yeah, that was all between 1826 and 1827. That is a hell of a time uh, of sadness like, in this uh, family. Little little women style stuff. Like I think yeah. one of them fell in, fell in a frozen pond or something and- you know, they, they're getting sick and this and that. And now we have a young, wealthy sack of shit. <laughs> so all the while he's still, he's still just going to town on Mariah Martin. Yeah. And guess what? Anybody? He, he, he married her and made an honest woman out of her. Right. That's, that's obviously what's next in this story. Jesus, Brent, pay attention <laughs> to anything that was said up to this point. Anything. <laughs> She's preggers again. Wow. Wow. She just didn't learn. 
Never saw the that. The guys coming. didn't learn either. Nobody's <laughs> learning. <laughs> yeah. It's the eighteen hundreds. Why learning learn? jumps? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, that at least made him uh come out of the dark, so to speak, and not hide his visits to the Martin Cottage or the walks with Mariah to the nearby red barn that mm. his family rented to you know be a meeting place yeah yeah we're just going there to talk yeah I, I love that up until then he'd been hiding like don't let anyone know that we're going there to um not have more babies out of wedlock. Yeah. yeah yeah it's interesting Absolutely. it's called the red barn because of kind of its roof color was a reddish hue and they said um at night the sun hit it and it was bright so it was like a landmark in the area people go okay you take a left at the red barn go up to the old hill left where the hag drowned in the well and you'll find blah blah, blah. i love even Hags growing well. up in the country where i'm from they would go like you go to old yankee town road well it's oh, yeah. yankee town yankee town was there it's a field well yankee town was tore down in 27 but uh you know <laughs> And you're like, that's, oh where, that's where the, the Union Army bivouacked. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, this time, though, so William trying to turn over a new leaf, maybe, or just uh, just more lies, promised to take care of Mariah and the child that she is now with. And Yahtzee, Mariah wanted nothing more than to go on and to marry him so it would be honorable. This wasn't a secret anymore. She told him and anyone, hey, I want to I want to get married. I want to make this real. And he reassured her multiple times, even in public, in front of her family, in front of everyone, that he would. So at least to a point there, he was even coming out and saying, I'm with this girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Maybe he felt sorry for her because by that point she was like a withered old spinster. Yeah, of 25. 25. Oh, it just turns my stomach even saying that age out loud. <laughs> um, yes, old crone, I will make you my wife. You've heard of the crone up the hill? She's 31. <laughs> There's fainting women all around. Uh, yeah. T- take, a left at, uh, take a left at Red Barn. And- yeah. Uh, climb, climb Hagswell till you get to to Crone Cottage. <laughs> Crone upon Tim's. Uh, spoiler: Just like before, Mariah gives birth. Uh, the child, unfortunately, was very sick from the start and died within a month. She could not catch a break, man. That it's true, and you know, I, I feel like I remember he he was actually kind of upset by this. Like he he. If I remember correctly, he was kind of looking forward to having the kid and being a father. Mm-hmm. And then this happens and he's like, he just kind of, I don't know. Broke him maybe? kind of. Yeah, like, a little it. bit. Yeah. Um, and and so, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of wild um, that there was a little, it seemed like, if I'm remembering this correctly now, it could be that he was just like, hey, hey all right, <laughs> don't have to worry about that shit. Um, Robot. <laughs> exactly. He's <laughs> like Yahtzee. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? But yeah. Well, you're right because he even the point of this one was he came out and he told the people he told everyone, "Hey, this is going on. I'm ready to uh, make an honest woman out settle, of her. settle so, down." Yeah. Anyway, uh, she can't catch a break. Shit starts to go awry. So Mariah and William were observed arguing at this time multiple times. Uh, in public, um, because of different reasons, one of the big ones was child support from Peter Matthews, father of her only surviving child. So remember that kid that did survive, he's sending money. Yeah. Yeah. They were publicly found arguing because she had not received a payment she was expecting. 
And she wrote to Matthews of her being pissed off at him for not getting it. And so he uh, says, I did pay you. Uh, so he gets a hold of the post office and is like, what the hell happened to the money? Because uh, I had sent it to her as usual. Now, they informed him that the five-pound note he had sent had passed through the hands of a person named Corder who promised to get it to her because back then you could just do things like that. Oh, yeah, I'll get this to her. <laughs> like, okay, so probably, yeah, that that is... Like I'm, I'm her fiance, maybe even let's say, mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll get this to her. Okay, sure. But is he really deserving of the nickname Foxy? <laughs> if he's taking the money and being like, this is my real name. <laughs> right. Right. I'm well, for it with my real name, he didn't use his real name. He used his brother's name. We'll find out. So, yeah, uh, that is true. sly, like a Which half, is half <laughs> dumb Fox. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, Oh, I, it's not Brent hand signing for it. It's Bart hand. Yeah. Or Brett hand from, uh, inside job on television. That's definitely, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the postmistress with the most amazing name ever gets involved. <laughs> what was the postmistress's name? Miss Savage. Yeah. She tracked down Williams and asked him about it, and he denied any involvement. Fucking what? shocker. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert. William had forged his brother James' name on the currency note uh, to get changed from it, and basically he laundered his involvement is what he did. He, sure. he forged names, got changed, put it here, did it there. Um, he denied this, but the postmistress, uh, the oh savage one, was like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Time for me to get seven. Yeah. The cream of the crop. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, they were seen fighting about this and other things. But besides that, she still wanted to get married. So she let it slide. As you do. You pick your battles, I guess. Uh, sure. What's a little... <laughs> What's a little money laundering between yeah. lovers? <laughs> then in the summer of 1827, William began telling Mariah rumors were going around that the local constable had obtained a warrant to apprehend her for having bastard children. What a sign of a different time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ba bastard children. I'm going to get locked up. What a sign of a time that we're heading back towards. <laughs> <laughs> So dumb. But uh, fear not, as he would take her to Ipswich to marry her and thwart said constable's plans. Yeah, because if there's anything he hates more than, you know, them knowing that he's canoodling with a lower class person, <laughs> it's the cops. Yeah. <laughs> darty, darty pigs. Yeah. Those were the pigs he really wanted to sell. Right. <laughs> and, oh, so he suggests in front of stepmama Ann. That uh, she should meet him at the Red Barn. That's what they're going to do. The two to or, to to elope. Right. So he they they start hashing out this plan. They're going to meet at the Red Barn on Wednesday night, but then William uh, has to delay, saying, "Well, meet me on Thursday night instead," because you know reasons. Then Thursday comes, and she's like, uh, "Stepmommy, I'm ready to go get married," and he's like, "Ah, not so fast." He delayed the meeting again, saying his brother had fallen ill. 
though by almost all accounts, his brother was already dead by then, but this was 1827 and that shit just didn't really get reported that well. (laughs) So that's fun. It was so common. Yeah. So on Friday, May 18th, he told her to leave that evening and to dress in uh, uh, clothes to avoid suspicion. He wanted her to cross dress so they wouldn't know it was her because why? I, I, that's the part I don't, I didn't really understand. I mean, the town knows they're together. We'll get to it, but it was so weird. I know, but just going up to that point, it was so weird. I get why he did it. Um, so people wouldn't know that she was there and then cause he, right. But, but like, wouldn't the, everyone else, including her be like, why, you know what I mean? Because I, 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 I know why he did it. I'm just saying in the, at the time they must've been like, I don't understand. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens? Well, she went to meet him Mm -hmm. and she was never seen again. (laughs) Break time. (laughs) We come back. It's bad dreams and skin books. Uh The David Flora story. Yeah. That's coming up next on H of 51. I looked it up because it was bugging me. It's just, it's called favored enemy. Beginning at first level, you have significant experience studying, tracking, hunting, and even talking to a certain type of enemy. (laughs) Like beasts, dragons, elementals, fey, giants, undead. Don't you hate it when something like that gets in your head and you're like, I, that's one of the things I would have told myself I didn't care. And at two o'clock in the morning, I'd have been like, I got to get up. I got to go look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the Rangers, uh, uh, class feature favorite enemy, Sorry, favorite enemy. Everybody. That's awesome. <laughs> so i got a big old question. Yeah. Where is Mariah? Now we all know Mariah Carey goes back to sea until uh, the Christmas time comes around and then she comes out and <laughs> sings her song every year, but we're not talking about that Mariah. We're talking about this Mariah. Where Mariah is she? Martin. Yeah. Where's, where's Galron? Yeah. <laughs> um, so William was in town after what is it the 18th mm-hmm. and people were like hey what's up man um where's where's your girl you know what who i don't know what you're talking about oh yeah so he racks up the excuses ah you know my brother's sick i had to postpone the wedding or you know, she's all right. I suppose she's in the keeping of Mr. Matthews. Because <laughs> he's something. just going to let her slip I mean, I back to that dude. Yeah. I doubt he's as dirty uh, cockney as that if he's. Uh, <laughs> slip back to Mr. Matthews. <laughs> uh, once he said she was staying in Yarmouth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, you know, w- why was that not a red flag to everybody? Because. Yarmouth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know anything about Yarmouth. Uh, another time he said he couldn't bring her back to Polstead for fear of upsetting his family and friends who had been watching him date her and have a baby with her <laughs> up until then, but would, you know, draw the line if it went on any longer. Yep, that's right. Her father was like, okay, something's, something's weird here. And he, Thomas, the mole death dealer uh <laughs> asked why she didn't write to him and quarter said what did what did he tell him he's a, <laughs> she's got a sore hand <laughs> I, I, she'd really like to write you but man she's been doing a lot of hand movements since we've been married 
a lot of up and downs, and uh, her quill, her quill holding isn't what it used to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh-huh. And another time he said she was just too busy. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, and later he told Thomas that the wedding clothes were bought and they should be back in about a month. Man. So he bought himself about a month with that excuse. That is, but, that is some crazy, just, uh, I didn't know people like that. That just, the story changes every time. And I always wonder, do they believe it sometimes in their own head? Sometimes they, they, they tell so much crap. But I don't know. You know, it's one of those people. things where you, when, when you pick it out of the ether and in your head on the fly, you have, you kind of have no choice, but to believe it. And then right. you're more um, pleased that you thought of something that quickly that it doesn't matter to you. Right. You know? Well, I- I'm sure he was getting tired of this too. Cause then he just leaves Polstead. Uh, outside of that, though, he does send Thomas a few letters, each saying Mariah was happy, but busy and that they're living on the Isle of Wight. So you got yeah. that. And he kept up shit Picking like that. Garlic. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't get, he, he, one time he's like, oh, you didn't get the letter she'd sent. That's too bad. It must've been lost in the post. Like, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Then get this. The prick puts in a PS. What did the PS say at the end of the letter? I think you had better burn all letters after taking the address that nobody may form the least idea of our residence. Adieu. That's literally, that's literally a quote from one of the, the letters. So the dad, uh, being a spry, smart mole catcher that he is, is like, <laughs> fuck this noise. I'm not dealing with it. Lady, get to sleep and figure out what's going on. We're going to figure this out in dreams. <laughs> no, they, they were tired of the excuses. And uh, the next thing, though, this happens like right after that. It, it shook them. And Mariah's stepmother had a pretty unnerving revelation that she shared with Thomas. For several nights in a row, uh, she said Maria had appeared to her in her dreams, but it wasn't Maria per se, rather her a ghost. And said that the ghost of Maria guided Anne in these dreams to the red barn, through the doors, and to a corner inside where she stopped just staring at Anne. (laughs) She said the feeling was unmistakable. Something tragic, something sad, something unthinkable. Those are the words she used. Mariah was telling Anne about her own murder from beyond the grave. (laughs) Damn damn it, (laughs) Seabot. That's not drop <laughs> you should have used there, but hey, hey oh, anyway, if I may interrupt you, um, yeah. there was, wasn't, wasn't this one, maybe I'm confusing this. Wasn't this one where the ghost, the head was turned 180 degrees. Um, Didn't it like stare at her back? I don't remember. I can't remember if that was this one or another one. No, you know what? I think that was another one. I think that was the one in America actually. We've Sorry. done too many dead ghosts telling on themselves stories. <laughs> I just, I just like the image of the ghost walking to the spot, mm-hmm. but it's still staring at you the whole time because its right head here, is turned backwards. I'm here. I don't want to break eye contact. That's rude, but we're going this way. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I got ahead of us. Yeah, I'm confused. Please keep going. I love that. I love that. This is something new. People asked the the stepmommy, and she's like, why didn't you come forward faster? You waited several nights. Be- because 
uh, the only evidence she had was a ghost dream. <laughs> well, that and also think of a. Uh, uh, if my man thinks I'm crazy, this is the 1800s. They're gonna burn my ass. Could <laughs> be. I tell you that there, um, there's some uh, some weird ghost shit going on, or you're gonna have me put into an asylum because I'm I'm uppity or whatever reason. They didn't have to really oh, yeah. have a lot of of reasons just to lock up women at that time. That may have been the time of uh, old Bedlam. Um. Have you heard of that that place? No. Well, okay. So I just I just looked this up. Um, Bedlam or Bethlehem Royal Hospital was a uh, psychiatric hospital in London. Uh, it was founded in 1247. Wow! So it went back a ways, um, but that was as a priory, oh, no. and then in 1330 it was a, a hospital. But anyways, I'm I'm just uh, I'm looking it up here. In the in the 18th and 19th centuries, it was just kind of like I I, I think a house of horrors for yeah. the insane. Oh, and yeah, well, most of those places were. And as you go into the stories, and then they dig into the yards, and there's just rows and rows of dead bodies that no one had talked yep. about. And but this is where the term bedlam comes from. I was going to ask you that. That's yeah. Is that where that? That got yeah, coined. this is uh, um, a bedlam being kind of like uh, a chaos or, or like um, anarchy, fighting, yeah. things like that. And it's apparently because, you know, I mean, so the story goes, the, uh, this this hospital for the insane was just where the, the craziest of the crazy went. And, you know, their their methods for dealing with them were basically electrocute them, water waterboard them. Um, sexually assault them, lobotomize them, you know, just the worst. So right, right. That's, that's the story of Bedlam. Maybe we can even do an episode on it someday. It's, yeah, that it's actually sounds crazy, terrible in a good way. Like, you know, like <laughs> that's terrible. We have to cover that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, they said, so anyways, I, uh, I do remember that they said that you could just at night, all you could hear ringing through the halls was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The padded cells didn't do anything to uh, no, stop that sound. Barely muffled it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Thomas, uh, not being uh, shy of bedlam and stuff now, uh, he all but ignored her for a while, but she finally convinced him to go because she's just having these. Once she opened up the, the floodgates, she's telling him something's wrong. Her, yeah. like, I'm being haunted. Then, finally, April of 1828, almost a full year after we last saw her, uh, Thomas and a friend went to the red barn and yikes, uh, this story breaks open from here. Nothing seemed to miss. Uh, now remember the red barn, this was rented by uh, rented. I don't know if it was owned. They use the word rented, but by the quarters. So the family owned it. So people, they were the ones that were using it. Everything seemed normal, but they decided to go to rake the straw on the floor in the back. Remember they led her to this area in their dream. And that led to the discovery of a patch of earth that was different from the rest. And it definitely someone dug in there. Now he gets to using his, uh, wait for it. The old mole spud. Whoa. Jesus. Sorry. Couldn't resist. <laughs> Thomas poked the dirt, uh, found it relatively soft and disturbed. He said, so he slowly began to dig and just 18 inches down. Uh, that's all he needed to dig. And to find a sack with a green silk handkerchief sticking out, the same green silk handkerchief that had belonged to William Corder that he was known to wear, 
uh, and the same green silk handkerchief that Mariah Martin had left her cottage wearing almost a year prior. Stop it. (laughs) Jesus. Anyway, uh, fuck. The constable came. uh, The family identified the body because of the clothing. Uh, She was like missing a tooth and they found they knew which tooth was missing. And as best she can, it was her. Yeah. The coroner, this is a little bit, uh, could tell multiple possible causes of death. Um, A sharp instrument had gone through her eye. The handkerchief was around her neck looking like it could have strangled her. And she apparently been shot through the neck upward toward her other eye socket, man. Jeez. Why the brutality? Do you think let's say that was all done by him right now? There's conjecture. We'll talk about why, why the brutality part of that could, uh, could be not attributed to him. Uh, first of all, the, the, um, Silk handkerchief may not have strangled her. Right. It could have um, been around her neck, and uh, it's hard to tell because she was just decomposed. The sharp instrument through the eye could have been the mole spud as right. as the father was digging. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only thing that really stands out as, as the top contender is that mm-hmm. uh, gunshot wound. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll do it. Yeah, so, right. you know, it's possible quarter... It's possible Quarter did all of it. It's possible right. he, sta- he he could have like tried to strangle her and just she she broke free and he stabbed her in the eye and she still wasn't dead. Yeah. And then he just had to shoot her. Um, right. Right. Or, yeah. Or he just did one of those or, you know, any combination. It's it's kind of wild. Maybe she was the Rasputin of- um, Right. Pol- Polstead. <laughs> if they had a ch- checked her stomach, they'd have found it was just full of cyanide. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> She's a hell of a dancer. Anyway, trial time. Uh it's time to to they need to find old Billy. Old Boy. William and it's time for put him on trial. So a constable by the name of Ayers was sent to London where Quarter was suspected to be residing. Now this is important because this uh touched on a couple things of note. In the beginning, we promised you some Springhill Jackness. Ayers was actually assisted in London by a constable named James Lee, who 10 years later would end up investigating uh, the attacks of one Spring-Heeled Jack. <laughs> Spring-Heeled Jack was one of the earliest collabs that Flora did on H51. I So, yeah, anyway. They tracked Quarter to uh, Brentford, no relation to me, where he was running a boarding house for ladies with Whoa. his wife, Whoa. Mary Moore. The fucking prick had gotten married. And Mary, quote, uh, here's a quote from her, first became acquainted with him through the medium of a matrimonial advertisement or advertisement uh, at a pastry cook shop in Fleet Street. The guy fucking oh, put an ad in the paper twice uh, asking for a wife and Mary had answered and they were wed three weeks after that. Uh, on top of that, talking to the, the, the people of the, the shop and stuff, the dude had reportedly received over a hundred replies, but Mary had been the winner for whatever reason. Probably had two, two reasons for winning. <laughs> also, can I just point out, you don't 
answer a matrimonial advertisement in a pastry cook shop in Fleet Street, uh, uh, Sweeney Todd? I was just going to say, uh, they have the tastiest little meat pies there. In London. It's yep. the damnedest thing. Um, then you can stop by the barber. Anyway, uh, this dude reportedly, like I said, that, so he's arrested. And by the time the papers had caught wind of the story, it was immediately sensationalized and followed closely. And we mean really, really sensationalized, as in, we talked about this earlier, but plays and songs written and performed about it. Broadsides were, were done, newspapers reports. Every aspect uh, was worked up for the public, into, and the public was worked up into a fervor against Quarter, and people flooded Polstead uh, and later Berry Street Emmons where the, the trial took place because this was... It went viral, so to speak. Oh yeah, and and there's nothing people love more than uh, a murder trial <laughs> where someone's gonna get strung up, right? And this one, uh, everyone, if you were to believe what they were saying about it, was gonna be pretty cut and dry. Um, it was big business too, especially for the area. Yeah, hotels and inns were area were filled up two weeks before the trial. The crowds were, I guess, just gigantic outside and inside the courthouse, and surprise. Quarter maintained his innocence during the trial, uh, though the evidence was stacked up against him, as everyone had already heard. And even Mariah's little brother, George, had seen Quarter with a pistol before the murder and had seen him leave the barn with what he said was a pickaxe. Police then found said pistol in Quarter's bedroom, along with a short sword he had sharpened just before the murder, which could have been confused for the pickaxe, they thought, and a passport for an upcoming trip to France. Uh, just to, to, you know, pound sand and get out of there. And of course there was the clothing found on Mariah's, uh, body belonging to him. Uh, and the barn he rented was where she was found. Plus even Anne's testimony of the prophetic dreams were heard in court, which is an important thing because those are usually not allowed. And they're like, (laughs) yeah, tell us, tell us all about that. Well, that's kind of like there's so much evidence already that we might as well just hear this anyway. Like, who cares? Let's just judge. Like, on. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Is, I mean, you you couldn't set this up to, yeah. to make any more sign. Like, the sign factory would would shut down because it couldn't <laughs> keep up with production for how many signs pointed to this dude. Yeah, yeah. So, time for him to start talking. What what happened then? Quarter said that she had shot herself with his pistol and he didn't know what to do with her. Ah, <laughs> uh, drat. So, you know, after maintaining innocence and stuff, he's like, yeah, it wasn't me. Um, she, she just shot herself in front of me and I told me to happens. dig her own grave. I hate it. <laughs> <sighs> well, guess what? Jury didn't buy it. <laughs> and after 35 minutes, which is wow. still too long, yeah, they yeah. returned with a guilty verdict. Yeah. Uh, Puss. Plus. <laughs> Puss. <laughs> because fuck him. Yeah. He was also found guilty of forgery as he <laughs> had obtained 93 pounds from a forged check between murdering in Polstead and marrying in London. That's fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, sentenced to be hanged and his body anatomized as in studied at a medical college. That's crazy that they could actually just say like, we are going to take you apart to find out why. You did yeah. these things. Yeah. Um, and after a ton of coaxing from his wife, uh, the prison chaplain and others, he finally 
admitted to killing Mariah by accidentally shooting her, though he denied stabbing her. And like we said, the the experts have even said that they believe that that could have been done by Thomas's uh, yeah. mole sputter as he was digging. Um, you know, it was so shallow that could have just happened. So maybe so. Um, but we'll never know. We'll never know. How could you be so shallow? <laughs> uh, but, you know, either way, he was hanged on August 11th, 1828, in front of a crowd of thousands wow. yeah. in Barry St. Edmund. There's a lot of picture drawings of this, you know, and, and yeah. things you can go online. Just everyone and their dog came out to watch this dude hang. Uh, the next day, medical students and anatomists fully dissected Corder. I mean, they were frothing at the yeah. mouth to get in here and see what made this guy tick. And since any part uh, of a dead murderer was up for grabs to local doctors, yeah, yeah, they just kind of uh, they they throw throw the body into the crowd. It crowd surfs and gets torn <laughs> apart. <laughs> right. Well, this what uh. this part's crazy. Corder's skin was tanned by surgeon George Creed. And used to bind an account of the murder, which is fucking metal as hell. Fuck yes. <laughs> this just, wow. This was not uncommon. That's that's the crazy thing about yep. this is that they would do this. They would use human leather mm-hmm. to bind books like that. About, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of death masks that was made of him. Uh-huh. You know, um, another tip to a past episode of ours, phrenologists at the time studied his skull and determined... Uh, it to be particularly developed in areas of secretiveness, acquisitiveness, destructiveness, philoprogenitiveness, or love of offspring, and imitativeness, with little evidence of benevolence or veneration. Uh, what that means is it's all fucking made up because phrenology is bullshit. <laughs> this all came out after they knew his whole story. Right. That's <laughs> the damnedest thing. It just fit right into those boxes. That's right. Uh, more fun stuff after his dissection. His skeleton eventually made its way to West Suffolk Hospital, where it was rigged up to point to a collection plate when anyone <laughs> came near it. I love it. Uh, and a Dr. John Kilner ended up removing the skull for his personal collection of things, uh, which turned out not to be such a good thing. For him, at least, um, he said a number of unlucky things happened after, which caused him to believe the skull was cursed. He gave it away, but the curse apparently wasn't lifted until he and the recipient gave it a proper Christian burial. Just like a downed alien, time for a Christian burial. Here, here. There's never not a good time for a Christian. Someone comes from another uh, star system, crashes, give him a Christian burial. Yeah, Jesus would want it this way. You, know, you, you got a, a skull from a murderer that's that's haunting you, give it a Christian burial. It's just the way it works. The remaining skeleton ended up in the Hungarian Museum in the Royal College of Surgeons of England and um, displayed there until its cremation in 2004. They finally got rid of it. <laughs> you can look up, and there's lots of photos of all this stuff, including the book, The the Death Masks, The Skull, the, I mean, the, 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 the skeleton, things like that. Why? So popular. Why do you think this holds the test of time? Well, geez, I mean, where where do you start? There's um, <laughs> right. intrigue, you know. There there's hikes, there's um, murder, there's ghosts and, and premonitions. Um, there's there's leather work. There's burials. <laughs> Top notch leather work. Uh, skulls. Yeah. So, my, my, 
I guess my big hang up with with the whole thing, if you're ready to to discuss, mm-hmm. why I, it seems to me like the father, I would have said the father found the body, and then devised this story of the dream in order to uh, get get people looking at William Corder more. Right. But it was like a year afterwards that anything happened. I was surprised that no one said, well, the, the, the stepmother did it and, oh, and came for first. Right. That was in my mind. This whole time was, well, why didn't anyone or, or why didn't quarters legal uh, team or whatever he had <laughs> say, well, you know, I doubt very seriously so. that the ghost came forward. Obviously she did it and she's a woman. <laughs> so she's already guilty. Uh, lock her up because that was that time. Unfortunately. Yeah, either it either he didn't have lawyers or didn't have very good lawyers, or they were like, "Man, the sign factory shut down." Yeah, yeah, because of this guy. Listen, so I can't, we I are going to make some this. money off of you, so you're just going to have to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was like almost a year or 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 more than a year then, um, from when she died or disappeared that it took for anything to do. So this. Uh, You've got to wonder if the the stepmother I, I'm guessing the stepmother saw through all the crap and was trying to figure out a way to pin it on quarter, be believed without just well, I can't say without straight up lying, because who knows right, if she had those right. dreams or not. Um but yeah, it, it you you got to wonder like if if she devised the way to track him down, get him on the hook for this because she knew that he was dirty and needed mm-hmm. to be uh, charged for this crime that he was responsible for this. Yeah, and this was yeah. kind of the best plan she came up with. Makes you wonder if the dad didn't go in there, did this, and then he's like, "All right, well, I was trespassing. Why was I in there?" They devised a plan. I don't know. I'm just riffing. I'm just oh, coming. Been, you know, who knows? Like that, but, who knows? Uh, you, You'd think it would take less than a year to to devise something. All right, but. here's what we're gonna say: Mariah or Anne, come to us in our dreams and tell us. Your head can be straight; it can be backwards. Not picky. <laughs> oh, not picky. Let us know what really happened. Now, don't make it because I like gotta walk through a park and do riddles. Just tell me. I'm lazy, <laughs> and I know I don't really understand the rules, so maybe you can't do that. Break them for me. I'm a nice guy. Right. And, uh, oh, yeah. Then get the fuck out, though. I don't need you haunting me. This is a one and done kind of thing. <laughs> Pretty please with sugar on top. Now, to to go back to the, the twisted head thing, that was from the Greenbrier Ghost, which was in North Carolina, I believe. Oh. Um, and that, that is a, that is one of the only uh, examples of ghost testimony being used in court. It, not not exactly testimony, but like a person saying a ghost came to me in my dream. Um, she her head was turned backwards, so I knew that it was some kind of like yeah. um, neck ringing, you know, neck breaking thing. And then she basically told me who committed this crime. And, so and so what you're telling same. me is the judge in Ghostbusters two that said he didn't believe in ghosts and neither does the court, and so they're not going to allow that testimony was full of shit. Because it had already been allowed, and so if uh, if Lewis had been doing his homework, he could have quoted that, <laughs> and they could have exactly. used it in, 
instead of the Scolari brothers coming in and having to be taken <laughs> care of. That's exactly <sighs> it. Yeah. Um, yep. it's on record. I mean, it's pretty, pretty famous here, uh, for that. They even have a, uh, a beer. I, I think that was named after that. Wow. And, um, uh, and the guy, yeah, the, it basically helped convict the guy who by all accounts murdered his wife in, in Greenbrier. Yeah. Um, Zo- Zona Heaster was her name, I think. Mm. Zona She's, Neil Heaster or something. She like sounds that. hot. I don't know if she was or not. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was a so looker. terrible. So I don't know if she was like 1800s Polstead hot, but. Right, right. Well, <laughs> well who, who is really? Who is? <laughs> who is? So anyways, and, and that happened also in uh, Australia. There was a, a case like that. Um, not quite as fleshed out as these stories but uh you know stuff like this has happened well all the listeners one on um they can be more rapid fire of some of these where they used ghosts to solve their own case whether it went to court or not it's a fascinating thing and then we can kind of dive more into that one of is that possible where do we fall on that and yeah. uh, what do people say that'll be fun so we owe you that sooner than later uh, i'm so sorry be a fun one. i i have uh I have gotten my stuff mixed up a little bit. It was Zona Heaster Shoe, and it was Greenbri- Greenbrier County, West Virginia. You not son North of a Carolina. bitch. Sorry. Sorry Ooh. about that. So what, um, we're going to be looking for a new co-host on his day. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. I, I know the stuff, and it's all mixed up in my head. It's like trying to to sort through. No, I, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> I bet, I, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, what you guys can do, let us know if there's other cases like this that you've heard of where they used or a ghost supposedly came forward. Let us know. Let us know also your thoughts on this one. And you can do that by hopping on Facebook and looking up Hysteria Nation. That is our Facebook discussion group where we talk about this and all sorts of nonsense. Also, Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. You can listen to the show from there while you surf around and do all your other stuff on Facebook. At Hysteria51pod, if you want to tweet to us, we would really love that. Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Hysteria51. You can find Up All Night's Mad Blurry Hysterias, uh, all sorts of craziness on there. Voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. We just did a a voicemail episode last week. We're going to be doing more in the future. And uh, yeah, we got to... We gotta make sure that uh, you guys call and leave David some voicemails so he uh, doesn't feel left out. And you can find all these things, all links on hysteria51.com. David, you got all sorts of irons in the fire. You got anything going on you're working on this week or coming weeks? Yeah, it's the end of the season for Blurry Photos, um, end of season 10. And I'll be putting out, I'm actually going to be putting out an old Patreon extra sode of mine um, to let, uh, you know, everybody who hasn't jumped on, on that ship, know what's going on with those. And it's the uh, good ship, into, uh, Lollipop. <laughs> that's right. Uh, except I've been kicked off of it because I'm nearsighted. So <laughs> that, It's not the merchant ship, Lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming out to end the season, and then I'll be coming back with my uh, season opener, which is something I always do a, um, uh, a fun topic uh, of either Irish or Scottish lore. And, um, I, uh, get drunk and, um, <laughs> deliver the information so as best I can. absolutely on the nose. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, that's awesome. Once, awesome. A week, once a year thing, I sacrifice my body for that. So, um, you're a gentleman so yeah, and a to, scholar. 
check out uh, Blurry Photos. A lot of people have asked uh, what's going to happen with Blurry Photos, you know, now that I'm co-hosting with you. Uh, nothing. I'm Same thing that happened when you started photos. Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's still there. Yeah. Also, Quiz Quiz Bang Bang trivia podcast. Check that out. So that's what I got. He's <laughs> only doing Hysteria 51 so that at the end he can go listen to Blurry Photos. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a cunning ruse. And I'm just the, the butt of that joke. No, it's awesome. <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, yeah, we've got some stuff coming up this year. We're working on a live uh, possible. We're trying to get a live panel in Chicago this year, possibly. And then we'll do a meet and greet with us and several other shows, which we're not going to announce at the moment, but several people that are on television and things like that will hopefully be able to do that. So, uh, and maybe some more live shows and uh, Adventure 3 is still coming out uh, with John is still a part of that, uh, so that'll be fun. And uh, I got a call yesterday from Joe Peck. Spoiler, so... Uh, oh, Pecker. Yeah, the old Pecker is uh, showing his head. He's <laughs> sticking his head out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah, been... It's spring. You know, he's, it he is. saw his shadow. He's no longer turtling. Um, old Pecker's <laughs> no longer turtling. Uh, so, yeah, that's been our thoughts on... Uh, and, and, and musings and ramblings on the Red Barn Murder. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been David. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. We'll be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.